Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Whiskey Society at Seven Grand, we had Glenn Fittick in the house, the big boys of Spaceside, with the wonderful and talented Jennifer Wren, educating us on the IPA cask finish, Project 20, the new Fire and Cane expression, and a little wee dram of the 21-year Grand Reserva. Grand Reserva. What a night. Be sure to listen to this loud. Tell your friends about our podcast, and please enjoy it responsibly. That means, you know, look where you're going. Wow, wow. Excellent portage for this week. I don't know if you guys are professional drinkers, but you're going to be at the end of these. But between last week and this week, this is like some kind of crazy unplanned, like whiskey intensive for people. We had four whiskey, uh, we had five events total, and then three whiskey societies last week. This week we have four whiskey societies, six events total, so a, a rum society and a mezcal collective thrown in. And it's all because of you guys. It was like kind of unintentional. It just happens. It's like this wave. We're just trying to like fight off the sharks and the whiskey sharks. They just wanted to come. They just want to get in the boat. Yeah, it's like get in the boat, Sharky. It's cool. But it's wonderful to have you all here tonight. It's Monday. Wow, what what times we live in. I'm, I'm really bummed that Kurt Vonnegut died, you know, because he would have so much good material to write about if he were still alive. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. Stan Lee died. Stan Lee died. Oh. He had a good life. Well, it's not that bad. He was like 95. He's rich as fuck. And like, you know, it's like all his dreams turned into these gigantic movie franchises. So it's... Stanley's like laughing all the way to the grave, all right? So everything's fine. Uh, God bless Stanley. Who knows? Um, but tonight we have a wonderful, awesome whiskey society for you. One of the best, most famous, most loved whiskeys <laughs> in the world. What is that towel doing there? Get out of there. It's not, you're not worthy, towel. Um, no, we have Glenn Fittick in the house tonight. <laughs> And, and more importantly, they're, they're human representative all the way from, she's human, I swear. They did not send a robot this time. It's crazy. It's, crazy. Oh. it's coming. No, they never sent any robots. They're, they're, not, they're not that kind of company. They haven't advanced to that point yet. Um, right? Not yeah, yet. No. Not yet. They're very Scottish. I didn't see any <laughs> robot labs when I was there at the distiller. There was nothing that was very, you know, Matrix-like. Keep them under wraps. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Miss Jennifer Wren. Boom. Yeah. Boom. The one and only. What is going on? Oh, my God. And if you're, if you, she's going to, she's so talented. You just, Stop it. Okay, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to let people know how talented you are. We'll just slowly reveal. It'll be the slow reveal. Goes, Peel the onion. Peel the onion. Let it reveal itself. <laughs> I adore you, Pedro. I adore you. Thanks for coming out tonight. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, guys. It's always such a pleasure to be here. This is like so much fun. Well, this is yeah. your home base. Was this the first place you did a West Coast uh, tasting? Mm, Second place, maybe. The, the first place I ever did a Glenfiddich tasting was Sacramento. 
Sacktown, yeah. Yeah, Sacktown, yeah. Sacktown. And I know, and like, like, I mean this in the most serious way. I'm standing up here tonight, and a lot of what Pedro and I do, um, sometimes in these troubled times, can seem superfluous, right? But at the same time, it's really important to like, when the world is falling apart, to like, have some good times, like celebrate a little. Because whiskey is about celebration and collaboration and joy. So I'm going to do my best That's right. in these troubled I days. I I know you can do this. Despite the fact I flew out of Smoglin, which <laughs> you guys have no idea. It's, sm it's, <laughs> it's so smoky. Really smoky. It's, like, it's like the apocalypse there. I walked uh, out of yeah. my house the other day, and um, I had just gotten back from being in Atlanta, Georgia. And I walked out of my house, and the sky was orange. And I couldn't see across the street, and a, a, a like a murder of crows. I can't even say that. Murder of crows flew by, and I was like, "Wow, okay, Jeff Sessions was fired. It's the apocalypse, guys." Yeah. It's time. Wow. It's time. Um, but that being said, tonight we are going to love, live, enjoy some whiskey, and have okay. a very good time. Because Pedro, I, I have one thing plans. I always say: making single malt is very serious business. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Things could explode. You are you are boiling right? alcohol. You know, it's like drinking single malt should be nothing but fun. Okay, so I like tonight, that. We're gonna I have like some that. fun. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for having me. Bravo. Okay, kids. Bravo, bravo. So, um, before I say anything else, I want to say tonight the first thing that you guys enjoyed when you walked in this room was a punch, a Glenfiddich. 12 signature reserve punch that was created by a wonderful bartender at your bar, your bar, um, named Eden Boros. And he literally walked up to me and he's like, he's like, hey, what do you want tonight? And I said, hey friend, can you make something with yellow or green chartreuse? And he was like, I can do that. And I was like, yeah. So I don't know which one he picked. It's a last word punch. It's a last word punch. It was it's the green so chartreuse. Good. Yeah, well, but it's cheers. pretty close to three parts. Whiskey, sh green chartreuse, and then the Luxardo. It's a classic. Well, yeah. cheers to Eden tonight. Yeah, he's awesome. He wasn't that good. I mean, my God, you guys. Great. So I want to see a show of hands tonight. I know you guys, this is always like a really interesting room for me because you guys are heavily whiskey educated. You guys are not like sometimes, coming from sometimes the Sometimes heavily whiskey inebriated Right, well. true story. Um, but who here tonight is familiar with Glenfiddich? Is there, okay, cool. Are there any Glenfiddich newbies in the crowd? Anyone who first time? Please, there must be at least one. Okay, yes, okay. I love you. All right, That's two cool, people. Do you not guys be are shy. like on a blind date with a bottle right, right? now. Right? Like... You guys need to like, like get to know each other. But so uh, a really quick Glenfiddich intro is that we were founded in 1887 in Speyside, Scotland by a gentleman named Mr. William Grant. And why is that significant? Why do we always cling to that? Because we are a six generation family-owned company. We're 131 years old this year on Christmas Day. Yeah, true story, right? Um, so we take a lot of pride in our family roots. We take a lot of pride in um, the ability of being a family-owned distillery to move fast and lean. You guys are going to see a lot of evidence of that tonight. And we also take a lot of pride in being um, a company that has a, a real sense of integrity and honesty. And I was talking to the bartenders tonight at Nomad across the way, and I said, I always get in trouble as a whiskey ambassador because I'm super transparent. And sometimes I get in trouble externally, 
and sometimes I get in trouble internally. And tonight I'm on a mic, so it's double trouble. Because somehow this is going to get back to the ether tonight, right? Well, Paul is, Paul is standing right over there. Yeah, right? Um, Thank you so much. Uh, wow, that's amazing. It's, it's like we got you. We got you. We'll cut it. I could run for office. Um, Cutty Magoo, no right. problem. Oh, say something stupid, Cutty Magoo. But Send that him being in. said, tonight, guys, I always run my tastings in a very specific format. One, I'm going to take you through everything we're enjoying tonight, and then two, I do what I call the Ren Power Hour. I will let you ask me anything that comes to mind, and I am never afraid to admit I don't know something. I do not make this whiskey. I represent this whiskey. And two, if you have a question I cannot answer, I will take your information and I will send it up the line to our master blender, Brian Kinsman, and I will get you the answer. That is always my promise to you. So if there's something tonight that I'm like, I have no idea what I'm talking about, I will find the answer for you, okay? Agreed. So, Let's get started. So, you guys started with Glenfiddich 12 Signature Malt. Why do we call it the Signature Malt? That is because the Signature Malt carries the stamp of our founder, Mr. William Grant. We have the same cut point as was chosen in 1887, 64.6%, which means we have an extremely high cut point. We also have the same fermentation time, 72 hours. Okay, whiskey nerds in the room, be brave, be bold. What does a 72 hour fermentation time mean? Anyone? Three days. Three days? <laughs> I like He's that guy. Math whiz. Anyone else? Any whiskey nerd in the room want to be bold? What does 72 hours mean to you? I would say it's pretty long oh. fermentation. Pedro, you can't oh, answer. Okay. You're a right, 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 right. Someone in the room. Okay, all right. Fruity? Anything else? Green apples. Okay. The reason we bring up our 72-hour fermentation time is that one, that pushes the life, thank you, sir, the life of the yeast as far as we can take it to the very end of their party, right? And that means that during that last couple hours, that 65 to 72-hour fermentation time, most of the yeast is dying. But most importantly, we are creating those fruity esters, okay? So think in your mind, fruity esters. Now, 64.6 cut point, what does that mean? Whiskey nerds in the room, not you, not you. Anyone else? <laughs> be brave, be bold. Cut point, any guesses? Highest She's cut point. Okay, I'm gonna take you, I'm gonna extrapolate information. Who's familiar with Glenmorangie? Sorry. Okay, Glenmorangie is famous for what? That's right. And if you have the tallest stills in Scotland, what do you get? The lightest spirit. So extrapolating that information, if I have a 64.6 cut point and I take only the lightest spirit, what am I capturing? Capturing different flavors at that cut point. That's right. And only certain flavors can survive at that cut point. If I, my job is to create fruity esters like pear and apple, and then my job is to cut the highest point. Can someone extrapolate, maybe Miss Emily Dell, what would be the distillery quality of Glenfiddich? What would be our key marker? You can do this, I got you. Okay, so <laughs> because of the high cut point and you're looking for fruity ester, so it would be, be known for that fruitiness? That's exactly right, Miss Emily Dell. Yeah. Woo! Um, so the distillery character of Glenfiddich across every single thing we make is either a sort of a green pear, like biting into a bright green pear or a green apple. And the reason for that is, is when you are drinking a single malt, 
you are not seeking a wash of flavor. I'm so sorry, I keep crushing you with my, I'm just running into you. Um, you're seeking a specific distillery character. That is the allure of a single malt. And for Glenfiddich, that is what we bring to the table. Green apple, or sometimes I like to say Bartlett pear. I think Bartlett pear. Yeah, Bartlett pear goes good. Or this, like, who's that, the, the two guys that like you send a fruit basket at Christmas? Um, the, Harry and David. Yeah, those guys, Harry those pairs. Okay, yes, Harry they, and David. We love Harry and David. In the old days, they called them applets and cotlets, but now that we're actually being honest, it's called Turkish Delight. Turkish Apparently, Delight. That was not okay to say for a long right. time. It's like, no, oh, I don't know. Sounds sounds strange. Hashtag my the white wish is the villain. Don't go with her. Um, that being said, if you got that, you're on my team. So tonight, we have moved past our Glenfiddich 12 signature malt. We are actually moving into a really exciting group of whiskeys. And we're not necessarily doing a vertical tasting. We're doing a, gosh, how would you describe it? A viscosity tasting? An aroma tasting? Um, like a, a, a mood tasting? It could be, I would say, let's, let's, let's call it a holiday tasting. A holiday tasting. Like it. Okay. So the first one you have in your glass tonight is Glenfiddich IPA. It is also called in America Glenfiddich Experimental Series Number One India Pale Ale because America and the FDA doesn't believe that you actually think that this is a whiskey. They think if we don't call it India Pale Ale cast that you will drink it like a beer. Please don't do that. Okay. Um, Just but, chuggity chug on your little please, pint don't glass. Do that. <laughs> I believe in responsible drinking. But that being said, everything tonight we are tasting except for one is the Experimental Series. Now, the experimental series for Glenfiddich is almost like a sister range to our core range. Our core range is 12, 14, 15, 18, okay? But this is the experimental range. Now, there's a lot of controversy in whiskey in general about drinking or enjoying non-age statements, drinking or enjoying innovation series, and I get it because there's a lot of bullshit out there, okay? Also, I'm on mic. Hi, guys. Um, <laughs> so I just wanna, I wanna like ease your minds in the sense that at Glenfiddich, we don't do anything without a purpose. So it's not a, a thing of like, we just wanted to like sell you whiskey and like package some like young shit and like feed it to you. That's not what we do. There's a reason for everything we do. And the idea and the theory behind the experimental series was our master blender, Mr. Brian Kinsman, who is awesome, was already trying a bunch of experiments in his free time, which sounds a little shady, but it's true. Brian was trying new casks. He was trying new finishes. He was doing a lot of cool stuff. And what we did at a certain point is we decided to codify his work. We took what Brian was already doing and we made the choice to bottle it. So that was the idea of the experimental series. Now, there's something um, I may have to ask you to edit this, guys. <laughs> Mr. Brian Kinsman has a secret bunker. True story. The bunker is so secret that when I was entering the secret bunker for the first time, I had to put away my cell phone because you can't trust a whiskey ambassador because we will Instagram everything. <laughs> True story. So this secret bunker is so secret, I can't even tell you where it is located on our property, but I have been inside it, and I will refer to it many times tonight. So what you have in your hot little hand is experimental series number one. 
I really want to encourage you guys tonight, before you sip anything, to really give it the waft. And I like to refer to this as the Charlotte Boise waft. She's the queen bee at William Grant and & Sons. And she does the side to side. But if you've ever met my colleague, Mr. David Laird, he likes to do the cross, right? The stations of the cross, or the <laughs> spectacles, testicles, wallet, and watch. And I really, I really do encourage this, guys. Like, mess with your nostrils. Like, give it an up and a down, bass notes, uh, top notes. It doesn't notes. work with my nose. I have a deviated septum. I wasn't uh, born that way. Oh, wow. It's so, okay. So, Pedro, I have a real sweet right nostril. All right. The they, left they, one's kind of bitter, the but the, the right one's real sweet. Right? It's a tunnel that goes to the same location. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah, how many brain cells do I have left after doing this job? No, no clue. Anyway, but the point being is, guys, the reason for this is a lot of the, the glymphatics that we create actually have a very different aroma than they do palate, and this is one of them. So, this particular glymphatic is finished in an IPA cask, but we didn't go out and find some rando IPA. That's not our jam. We like to make things harden ourselves. So we went eight miles down the road to a little place called Forest, Scotland. Literally eight miles down the road. There's two things in Forest, Scotland. There's a restaurant called The Fiffle, and there is a place called the Spayside Brewing Company. Super cool. Super cool. And Mr. Brian Kinsman decided to collaborate with a young man. I do mean young. I think he just turned 24 this that's year. That's not even young. That's a baby. That's a baby, right? It's He's just, a baby. It's like, how does that kid even have a job? That's I'm like, like child I'm like, labor. I'm like 65, basically. <laughs> but the point being, Seb Jones, his collaborator, is a very young man. So Brian and Seb got together and decided to create an IPA literally to put in a cask to finish Glenfiddich. So the IPA they created was entirely proprietary. You cannot buy it. You cannot find it. I've had it. It's not really very good because it's designed to temper a cask. It's not designed to be drunk on its own. But this IPA was specifically designed to finish this Glenfiddich. Now are, they, are they selling the beer after aging it in the cask? They are not. They throw it away. Well, I wouldn't say they throw it away, but they I would say They drink it themselves. It's, <laughs> it's not available. Let's go with that. Yeah. They're drinking it themselves. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say on mic that I've gotten drunk on that beer, but I've gotten drunk on that beer. So um, that being said, no, it is not available. It is not available to purchase. Um, but that IPA, guys, raise your hand if you're an IPA drinker in the room. Cool. Okay. So I'm going to assume that you guys probably have a wide IPA knowledge. But most American IPA tends to be super fruity. Well, we have the okay. West Coast style, too. West, West Coast, Coast IPAs style. are different. West Coast, best coast. But that being said, <laughs> British style. We have style, the hazy IPAs. Hazy IPA. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a different kind of IPA. There's like um, three different kinds now. I look. I look there's it. East Coast, West Coast, and hazy. OK, we're going to start like a, a comedy act, you and me, Pedro. <laughs> um, but that being said, so British style IPA tends to be super fruity on the nose and super dry and bitter on the palate. So think of that kind of IPA. So this IPA is primarily Challenger hops, and the IPA actually had a an, non-organic addition of the chemical hemulane. Why does that matter? Because okay. it makes it taste different. It makes it more fruity. Ooh. Okay, right? okay, so this is a question. So there's something in the rum world they call Benefecture, mm. okay? Benefecture. Benefecture. <laughs> okay. Like this is uh, Alexander Gabriel was like, telling us about like how he ages, he's a, he's a cognac master, and he's like mm. talking about how he's aging these rums, and 
And he's like talking about the benefactor. I was like, what did you just say? Benefactor. The benefactor. <laughs> and, and it's 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 an ester compound that's it's, it's essentially it's like a, a concentrated ester mm-hmm. that you can add to the barrel that brings out more fruity notes. And it's widely used in the rum world. You are exactly on point because hemulane is a chemical in IPA beer, and I know chemical sounds like not so sexy, but hemulin is a chemical that makes you think when you're drinking an IPA that you're tasting more fruity notes. It okay, tricks your to, brain. But if you if you go to an actual chemical definition, the anytime that you isolate even an organic compound and you make it singular, then technically it's synthetic. Even mm-hmm. if it's organically based, if you've just located one kind of string of molecules, in the scientific world, that's considered synthetic because nothing in the natural world really lives in that singular form. That's so they, exactly right. They call it singular. They call oh. it synthetic, even though it can be derived from plants or what have you. So the point being, by raising hemulane, we were able to play against the fruitiness of glenfiddich, the innate cut point and fermentation we're looking for. So when you sip this beautiful amazing glymphatic IPA. You get fruity on the nose. And I'm not going to tell you what you get on the palate, but I would invite you to drink it. One of the problems in whiskey about giving you tasting notes is the minute I say something, you taste it. The art of um, suggestion. suggestion. Thank you. What are you guys getting? You. Oh, wow. It's really floral to me. Right? What are you guys getting? Is you stick your nose in that glass, tap it over your tongue. Strawberry? Mm. I'm getting some stone fruit. I'm getting like peach and honeysuckle. Natalie, what are you getting? It's really stone fruit, right? What would you say? Cream is common. Peaches and cream? I still don't know what you're saying. Uh, I don't know if I know that language. Oh, the kind of dried cherry. Okay, dried cherry. Yeah, I can see that. Totally. What else? What else? What are you guys getting? It is very fruity. Wait, so you're you're isolating it's an ester. So this is a yeast made compound that you're adding to it to bring out more fruitiness. Yes, because what we found is if we didn't raise the hemulane, because we go through a really extensive R and D process, and the first time we ever poured this, um, one of the great gifts of being a Glenfiddich ambassador, I'm heavily involved in R and D. I'm not an ambassador who's just like, give me a script, tell me what you think. I go to the distillery and they try out multiple versions of whatever we are releasing in the next year on us and get our feedback. So the first time, who in the room, I, I, I believe you, Pedro, knows who Ian Miller is? Anyone? So Ian Miller was our global ambassador for 30 years. And he's stepped down now. He's still involved with the company, but he's you know semi-retired. And the first time Ian tried this in the R&D process, he was like, this tastes like cat piss. And we're all like, yeah, it totally does. Because that was pre the boosting of hemulane. So there was something about the addition of hemulane that actually permeated the cask and allowed the beautiful fruit notes to happen because otherwise it was coming across as too bitter, too vitriolic, too acidic, they too need to try a West vinegar, right? <laughs> right? Well, we got to keep it in the no. Scottish family, you know. But so. so you can add that that hemulase, and and that's legal. Hemulane. Hemulane. You can yeah. add that because in the definition of the legal definition of Scotch, you yes. can add up to what percentage of undisclosed ingredients. Well, so here's the weird, like, kind of conversation around that. 
The way the beer is produced or the beer is created is outside the boundaries of SWA. So the beer exists in its own universe. Once we put the beer in the cask and we start that finishing process, that's when the SWA would get involved, right? But it's still beer because hemulate is a natural occurring chemical. Did they use that in IPAs? Mm, is that something not typically. Used? No. Okay. This okay. was something that was very specific to creating this flavor for us. Yeah. Gosh, we got real scientific. Wow, right? seriously. Scientific. Well, it, if, if you really want to nerd out, so you were saying that, well, who's the lady who does the those sideways wafting? Oh, Charlotte. Charlotte yeah. Boisse. So, Boisse is another term that goes back to the cognac world. And Boisse is no, when you. No, Boisse or Boisse. Oh, it sounds the, the, similar to me. Uh, you, <laughs> we start speaking other languages. It gets very confusing. He's using Italian. We're speaking French. No stress, no I'm trying stress. to do like English and Spanish. And I'm also and doing stuff. my best in uh, French impersonation tonight. So, I mean, uh, I, I am, my, my family is en français, but I have like many generations. But then yeah. there's this, there is a technique in, you can oh, help me up. Jesus. So there's, there's my a friend, technique. I speak terrible French, I apologize. But in the same way that you can add these uh, benefactures, like this, yeah. this ester additive mm -hmm. that brings out fruitiness that could be naturally derived from any yeast, mm -hmm. um, there's also in the cognac tradition, they basically make an oak tea, the boisse, yes. which you can add to make a cognac seem older or more consistent. Um, and so they take like charred oak shavings and make essentially a tincture that's very, very strong and they use it to create consistency within the Sounds barrels. Sounds really good. They're doing it all. See, I'm like slowly after all these, I'm slowly cracking behind the curtains. <laughs> this is, honestly, this is the most fun tasting I've ever done <laughs> with you. Seriously. We're only on the first mark. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> wow. People are like, how long is this thing going on? They're like, you're like 11 hours from now. They're like, like, shut up. Yeah. No, okay. It went from being a two-week intensive to being a two-week exhaustive. Right. Um, so that being said, I am going to move on. Um, so I hope you enjoy the Glymphitic India Pale Ale, mm -hmm. experimental series number one. We're going to move to experimental series number two. And the story I always like to tell about experimental series number two is that it was actually number one. And what I mean by that is, in the R&D process, this was actually the Glymphitic for the experimental series that was first conceived but it didn't quite make it to market as fast as experimental series number one. So that being said, I have a personal connection to this whiskey and I try not to be biased, I really do, but I love this Glenfiddich. The reason for this is, there are only three Glenfiddichs that taste like this. You'll always hear me say this, this is not codified, this is Jennifer Wren language, but there are three Glenfiddichs that what I call are the chocolate and cherry series. So to back it up, this was what you were talking about the first time, but this is what you guys ended up adding the the bonifacture to? No, this has no bonifacture. Okay. Um, God, I love speaking French with you. Um, terrible. I'm, I'm trying, I'm Apologies. terrible too, yeah. Um, so uh, this is like a, 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 le, le français américain. Um, but the point being, um, this was actually the first conceived when we decided to, to release or create this experimental series. And this particular whiskey was created in 2015, right when I began my job. So a long time ago. And um, the first year I was an ambassador, uh, I went to the distillery 
And I was so overwhelmed. I mean, guys, like this job is like, I can't even begin to tell you how overwhelming this job is. Well, when you visit the Glenfiddich <laughs> Distillery outside of Dufftown, it's like the Disneyland it's of great. single malt scotches. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a beautiful distillery really to come great. and visit. And Natalie and Paul have been there and it's like, they, they, in, how many visitors come through there every year? It's like hundreds of thousands of people visit there every year, I'm Funny sure. Funny you should ask, here's your $20. Um, no, uh, so um, we at Glenfiddich, um, we're the first people ever in the history of Scotland to have a visitor center. Um, so what, what happened was in the early 60s, um, when we had our very famous, like super famous uh, CEO, Charlie Gordon, um, all these people started showing up in our distillery and they're like, Hey, we want to like hang out here and drink and like see your stuff. And we're like, cool. That's not a thing. And then once in, in about two or three years, we had over a thousand guests. Charlie Gordon was like, we should do something with this. There's something here. So we were the first people to ever open a visitor center and Charlie like codified it and like had created a tour for the distillery. And uh, to this day, we have one of the most uh, awarded visitor centers in Scotland. And we welcome, I think it's something over 100,000 guests a year. It's amazing. There, yeah. There's like, you first get there, there's like a movie theater that you go into and they <laughs> yes. give you kind of like yeah. the history and it's beautifully produced with great sound. Yeah. And That's they nice. have this big yeah. restaurant. and It's a um, good restaurant. And they're really good with food allergies. I love them because I have a lot of food allergies. So I'm always like, thanks, guys. They're like, um, only you Americans. Yeah, um, I know what you're sorry. <laughs> well, when you only eat potatoes, there's not a lot to be allergic right. to. So no, Scotland, um, Scotland has embraced gluten-free, and I'm very grateful. So right. FYI. Um, right across the road, there's also Balvini. So if you go to the visitor center at Glenfiddich, it's possible yes. if you're ambitious to do a tour on both sides and get to see the sister distillery. So the rule with Balvini is if you leave our malt barn, which is the center of our visitor center, and you literally walk a thousand feet down the hill, you're at Balvini. So it's like right there. It's beautiful. It's yeah, staggering it's distance. Yeah. In fact, if you're really drunk, you can just stand in one place and wait for it to spin around. In, in fact, if you're really drunk, you can blink and you're at Balvini and you think, how did I get here and how do I get home? I'm so sorry. Um, not from experience. Dufftown is right down the road. It's right down the road. Just, just, just not a large shoulder, so be um, careful. Oh my God. We're not talking about whiskey. Okay, <laughs> focus, Pedro. Okay, Try. so this particular whiskey was the first in the experimental series, and we created it in 2015. So what this is, has anyone in the room, because you mentioned Balvany, heard of the Balvany Ton? Oh, a small group of people. The 1509 so, just came out like last yes. week and it is smoking. So the Balvenie Ton is a conglomeration of the best possible range of years of Balvenie, all amalgamated into one beautiful whiskey chosen by the master distiller of Balvenie, Mr. David Stewart. The reason I bring this up as a parallel is this particular whiskey for Glenfiddich is an amalgamation of 20 people from 16 countries who chose a barrel that expressed them. And I wanna be very clear, there was no parameters. It was like express their choice of whiskey drinking or express their personality or express their country or express something about their interpretation of what Glenfiddich is. And there were no parameters. So this particular whiskey you're holding tonight, as I said, is part of the chocolate and cherry series. Mm. Now that, again, that's my language. I codified that. Um, chocolate and cherries. There are only three Glenfiddichs that fit into this particular flavor category for me. They are Glenfiddich 30, which you have behind your bar, 
Glymphitic Snow Phoenix, one of the Which, rarest Glymphitics. We know we have the winter storm over there. You right have winter now. storm. Snow Phoenix flew away a long time ago. It flew away. And uh, this is not a very typical style of Glymphitic whiskey making, so it's a bit of an outlier. And I say chocolate and cherries because when you guys smell and give it a whirl, remember? Cross, right? You're going to get a bit of wild cherry. You're going to get a bit of dried cherry. And if you taste it, you're going to get a bit of dark and milk chocolate. So because it is very hard to find the Snow Phoenix, this is as close as you can get to tasting the Snow Phoenix. A little bit more fruity. This particular whiskey ranges in age from six years old to 28 years old. So it's an amalgamation of casks. It's no age statement because that wasn't the goal. The goal was to choose the best casks. So it is 16 ex-bourbon American oak, two ex-sherry European oak, both Olorosa, one port pipe, mm. and one virgin American oak. Nice. Now, the reason I have such a psychological and spiritual attachment to this whiskey is I made this. And I'm really proud of it. You know this, Emily. You know this. Yes. So the youngest cask in the, in the selection tonight in this whiskey is the six-year-old Virgin American Oak. It is mine. I chose it. Um, the reason was I was a brand new Glymphitic ambassador. I wanted something that represented both my being new, being like feisty, because I am, and then my southern heritage. So I'm from Georgia, and I come from a bourbon tradition. My husband's family is all from Kentucky. So I wanted something that reflected a, a, a virgin American oak barrel, which is a bourbon barrel, right? And I wanted something that reflected my newness and my roughness. And ironically, what we expected before this whiskey was blended was that it would have a very ex-bourbon American oak note, that everything would kind of be influenced by the ex-bourbon American oak, but that's not the case. The, what sticks out in this blend is the Olorosa Sherry, the Port Pipe, and my virgin American oak. That was not expected, and I love this whiskey. And for the record, guys, take this to the bank. It is not Project XX. It is not Project XXX. That's a different whiskey. <laughs> it is Project 20. And the reason it's Roman numerals is we didn't want it to reflect an age statement. We wanted it to reflect the 20 individuals that created this whiskey. Last but not least, just for you nerds out there, if you look at the bottle, there is a thumbprint on the bottle. The thumbprint is actually a digital amalgamation of all 20 people that made this whiskey. Weird. So you True guys story. do have a robot lab. Yeah. You're, you're creating um, clones our, for 20 our, different parents. It's terrifying. Our, our innovation team. Uh, you we, make that robot bottle your stuff? I know, I was like, He's got gold um, fingertips? What's going on? Gold finger. Um, but when, um, when they made this, uh, our innovations team called me and they said, we need your fingerprint. And I was like, that's not a thing I'm going to give you. <laughs> and, and they explained to me what it was. So that, that it is truly an amalgamation. And I also want to point out, Whoa. for you whiskey nerds out there, this bottle has a little history in it. In the bottle are two casts that were chosen. One by Mr. Ian Miller, who I mentioned earlier, and one by Mr. Stuart and Grant Ralph. The year this was chosen, Ian left our global ambassador job. He had also been our master distiller and Struan took up the antlers, as we like to say. So it actually is a little bit of lymphatic history, the transition between the old stag and the new stag. So oh. it's something we're very proud of. Yeah. What are you guys getting as you tap the tongue? Give me some food words. Tell me what your experience. Food what words. are you reminded of? 
Yeah, chocolate. All the cherries and the chocolate, but what else? There are other beasts in this forest. Say again, tangerine. Beautiful. Oh. Okay, yeah. Maria? I'm thinking just like a hint of black pepper. Ooh, I like that. Mm. Okay, okay. I can totally see That's that. That's that American, that virgin oak mm -hmm. might give you some of that. A little spice. A little spice. Yeah. What are you guys getting? Come on. Say again? No. Graham cracker? No. Okay. Graham cracker. They don't have those in Scotland. <laughs> no, we have what? What's that? The horrible brand? It's a, it's a, it would be a no, the, caramel biscuit, no, or it's a Walker's, 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 Walker's biscuit. Because I kept saying when I was in Scotland, I was um, like, it smells like graham crackers. Everybody's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, so, man. Walker's, for the record, started making gluten-free biscuits. Just FYI. <laughs> right down the road, too. Again, right down the road Two from story, gluten -free. I know. Right down the road. Okay, so guys, moving forward. Remember at the beginning I mentioned we're not doing a vertical tasting. We're actually doing a viscosity slash flavor mm. tasting. Mm. The reason for this is, is the last selection tonight is our newest Glenfiddich and also peated. So I just want to make sure that we're moving Whoa. in the right direction. So that being said, the next Glenfiddich in our um, tasting tonight is actually part of what we call our prestige range. So remember at the beginning I said our core range is 12, 14, 15, 18. Our prestige range is 12, I just said 12, wow. 21, 26, 30, 40, 50, okay? So we are sampling 50. tonight one of our prestige range and possibly one of my favorite Glenfiddichs of all time. This is the Glenfiddich Grand Reserva 21. Now, the reason I like it is I sort of identify with it. It's very sweet on the nose and very Because you're spicy. forever 21. I'm forever 21, what? I've been 21 for like, what, now 65 years? Is that how this goes? 65 minutes, don't worry about it. I totally said, Pedro, I was like, how, how did we get this light? Didn't we get the like, I'm over 35 light? Like, right. when does that like kick in? It's, right? it's Andrew's fault, he's, trying, he's making a YouTube video, so. Stupid Andrew. It's okay, um. <laughs> just he'll pump up the contrast and we'll look like, like mid-twenties. Right? They, they need to put that like, I have the pixel filter, which is like, how old do you want to look? Check. 22, wow, 25. They yeah, they totally wow. do. It's like the future is now, Pedro. scare me. Um, that being said, so this is a 21-year-old, unlike me, uh, single malt. And um, I just, I always want to take a pause around this because I know that we, especially you and I, um, and this handsome fellow here, get to try a lot of older whiskeys. It's, it's one of the perks of our job, right? But I always take a pause when we get to 21-year-old whiskeys, and I, I just want to point out, only about 5% of all single malt made in Scotland ever makes it to 20 years. Most of that whiskey is blended down into younger whiskeys, okay? So it, it takes a very special cask to be earmarked to make it to a 21, or excuse me, a 20-year-old cask. Well, also another reason that it only a small amount of casks would make it that old, is that you're going to have evaporation every year. Absolutely. And even in a cold climate where it's yeah. only 2 to 4% per year, if you do the math on if it's above 20 years old, that's oh, 80 to 9%, 80 to 90% of your cask is gone, right? Mm -hmm. So there's not much whiskey left to be blending down or doing anything with. Right. Just evaporation is going to take most of it and not much time. If you think of a 50-year-old scotch, right? Yeah, how's 50 that even possible? 50% is gone. No, there's got to be like almost all of it's gone. Well, no, in Scotland, we're, we're averaging about a 1% to 2%, okay. so, so it's about a 50-50 ratio. So by the time we get a 50, it's 50% gone. So it's not just that older whiskey is better, because I, I will never stand behind that. I think the best whiskey you drink is the whiskey that is your favorite, always. But the reason you get that exponential price 
is think about, like, consider this for a second. You have an asset, right? Say you sell gold sneakers, like those hot gold sneakers right there. And you have to, yeah, those are great, Emily. So you have to manufacture and pay for all the materials involved in this gold sneaker. And then you have to pay for all the labor with this gold sneaker. And then this gold sneaker over 50 years might degrade by 50%. So you actually have to hire a team of human beings that are only dedicated to maintaining that gold sneaker. So and then you have to export it and pay the tax. Yeah, there's that too. So by the time you have that 50-year-old gold sneaker, there's a lot of work and love and money that's been put into it. It's not that older whiskey is better whiskey. It's that it costs a lot to create that product. It costs mm -hmm. a lot to get that in the bottle from soup to nuts. And a lot of love and dedication and man and lady power has been put into making sure it's good. all those people have sure been caretaking. Well, in this case, they've been caretaking this whiskey for you for 21 years. And, exactly. and you're only paying them, you know, maybe... Less than ten dollars a year yeah. to caretake all this. I mean, two maybe we're really cheap at two, you know, two dollars a maybe, year. Maybe maybe a dollar fifty a year. Wow, oh, those yeah. people <laughs> work for nothing. <laughs> free, they work for free whiskey, right? They work right? for free whiskey. That um, is the tradition. No, but there's there's a lot of truth to that. So when you look at something like a twenty-one-year-old Glenfiddich, just for the record, so five percent of all whiskey makes it to twenty, and then five percent of that five percent makes it out of Scotland. So only 5% of the 5% is actually exported to all the countries that drink 20-year or older whiskey. And in America, we get the lion's share because you guys are the number one consumer of single malt in the world. And I always love to, I, this fact always amuses me. I'm going to laugh for a second, Pedro. Okay. What is the second largest consumer of single malt whiskey in the world? Anyone know? Country-wise. Yeah. Not just Pedro. Yeah. <laughs> India? France? France. 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 Um, en uh, I love the fact that so France has like a third of our population. They consume the second most single malt in the world. Just FYI. They're thirsty. Yes. They are very good here. Those friends. They got more time off. Yes. Yeah. Four-day work week. That's a whole other day of drinking. Apparently, the water is terrible in France, so they can only drink wine and whiskey and Aperol right, right. spirits. That's right. Um, they have whiskey with their espresso, right? It's like right right next to it. It's 11 a.m. Let's go. Right. Oh. I mean, I... I, I generally do, but everyone just like glazed over in a dream. <laughs> Two hour lunch with whiskey. I everyone did, it just got better. But the point being, so this particular spirit, um, to give you a little uh, background to it, has anyone in the room ever had Balvenie Caribbean cask? Okay. We got it on the wall, right? Remember, remember, that's our sister spirit, right? Mm -hmm. So we and the Balvenie use the same rum for this particular expression. Now, let me explain to you. So remember fermentation time, because this is obviously an educational class. It's not just the Jenny and Pedro fuck off for a while class. Um, so remember, uh, we talk about fermentation time. So Balvenie has a much shorter fermentation time. Their fermentation time is around 36 to 38 hours, okay? With the difference in fermentation time, we create bright, fruity esters, okay? They are creating more cereal, honey-like esters, okay? So if you, I keep saying, mm, okay, mm, okay. Okay. Um, mm, okay, Peter. Um, so if you compare these two whiskeys, a 14-year-old Balvenie and a 21-year-old Glenfiddich, even though we have the same finishing process, 
they are extremely different whiskeys. Mm -hmm. I love to use them as examples of how finishing bless can, you. bless you, how finishing can express differently. But the story basically is, for both of these whiskeys, is we go down to the Caribbean. Hello, Caribbean. And resource, bonjour. Oh, it must be the, uh, oh, wait, who speaks French in the Caribbean? Dominican Republic? The Martinique. Martinique. Thank you. Thank you. I'm an uneducated yeah, Haiti, American self. They speak so, Haiti. Uh, Martinique, we source unaged Caribbean rum. Okay? Totally like white rum. We bring it up just as the liquid, not the cask, just the liquid. And we bring it back to Scotland! Freedom! Hi, Claire! Okay, um, so that was an Outlander reference, thank you. Yeah. So we bring it back up to Scotland and we put it in ex bourbon American oak. That was Braveheart, I think, right? No, Claire? Yeah, no. Claire is like, is Outlander. Uh, uh, Braveheart is like, freedom! freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or Chris Pine, who's like, Netflix! <laughs> so we bring it up to Scotland and we put it in ex bourbon American oak for just under six months and we allow that rum to age. This is you guys remember this fact. This is very fruity, delicate rum, okay? We take that rum out and we put either Balvenie 14 or Glymphitic 21 in that cask for just under six months. So what you get going back to the liquid tonight wow. is very fruity on the palate. Mm -hmm. You're still getting the pear and apple, right? Mm -hmm. But you're also getting stone fruit, That's you're getting Toaster. Yes, exactly. All all those tropical flavors. I'm getting some red fruit character too. Right? Yeah, some like really nice red apples. Red apples. Mm -hmm. But if you Currents, drink it, for sure. Currents. unlike Balvenie 14, it is very tannic and dry. Yeah, tap it over your tongue and think about the structure. Think about the architecture mm. of the whiskey. How does your mouth feel? One of the fallacies, whenever we talk about rum finished whiskey, whether it's American or from somewhere else, there's an assumption it's all going to be super sweet. But rum is not necessarily super sweet. And how we express the whiskey is not necessarily super sweet. And this is particularly hard for beverage professionals because people will be like, oh, I want the rum whiskey. And it's like, oh, it's going to taste like sugar. It doesn't necessarily. So this particular expression is very tannic. And it pairs really well with sweet things, because it's actually the mm. opposite of sweet when you actually drink it. So cheers, 21 gram Reserva. Solange. So, <laughs> were you referring to Beyonce's sister? Yes. Solange. <laughs> Solange. Solange. You guys, it means, it means tongue in French, right? I, I can't even begin to tell you how much I love and respect this fella. I'm so happy to be here tonight. Um, I like to, I have to string the seriousness together with some jokes. No, it's good, so, it's good. Oh, wait, should I tell my giraffe joke? Oh, yeah. Oh, you guys, okay. I sold this from a movie, if you know which one, it's fine, but here we go. a giraffe walks into a bar. He's so tall, everyone looks up and he goes, hey guys, high balls on me. <laughs> so that being said, um, yes, I know it takes, it's like a refrigerator joke. So actually there's a, there's a French term for a joke that takes a minute to get, it's a, it's a staircase joke. It's Say it again. Am I saying it right? L'esprit d'escalier. D'escalier. The spirit of the staircase. 
Right. It means that it takes a minute for you the joke and you get it when you're walking upstairs at the end of the night. Uh, um, <laughs> thank you. Emily Dell for the win. Wow. Um, I got you, baby. Thank you. Uh, that being said, tonight, the last and final Glenfiddich we are presenting, we are presenting, is the most recent Glenfiddich to the experimental series. So tonight we've tried one, two, and now we are trying four. I know, I'm sorry. The reason for it is, I'm gonna lift up this bottle. Sir, can you hand me the white bottle behind you? This is Glymphitic Experimental Series number three. It's actually a limited edition series. So tonight, unfortunately, we were not able to get another full bottle for this tasting, but they do have it here at uh, seven grand if you guys want to sample it tonight. There is some. So put it back. There so, you go. Thank you so can much. we can we review a little bit? Like if I was gonna buy some, we're heading to the holiday times, time holiday to like times. get some special whiskeys yeah, for our home bar to be able to share with our friends when they come over. Totally. What are the bottle prices that we're looking at? Paula would be the one to answer this. Oh, well, no, so no, so Paula Perfect has the um, the like distributor prices. Oh, okay. So the the rough prices on all these bottles tonight behind me are India Pale Ale is probably right around forty nine ninety nine. Um, Project 20 is right around $89.99. I love how it's like not $90, but $89.99. Just um, under 90 Winter Storm, if you can find it, is right around $210. Uh, fancy. Yeah, fancy. And then um, Glymphitic 21 is right around $210 as well. So they're, because uh, Winter Storm is also a 21-year-old Glymphitic. And last but not least, the one we're about to try is right around $49.99. So, and when it comes to those... Yeah. Super old small scotches. Like I was talking about with the, if you can estimate coming all the way from Scotland, you know, the export tax is huge. Transportation and glass, all of that goes into the price of the bottle. So if, if, if it's 21 years old and you're only paying like 210, like I don't think $10 a year is that bad of a price <laughs> to have that whiskey caretaken and then delivered to you Depends all the way to California. I mean, could be a thousand dollar year Well, well yeah. I do the same thing with the bourbons. Is It's like, you know, bourbon is like right down the road. With It's so cheap. It's such a great deal for us to have these American whiskeys. They're so awesome. Like, if you can have like, you know, a, a seven-year-old bourbon and it's like $17, it's like, don't ever complain to me ever. <laughs> it's a great deal. No, it's 100% true. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Drink your whiskey and be happy, please. We, we are so lucky in America that we have such an incredible whiskey tradition here. Now, if we can only figure um, out our politics. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, that being said. Everyone um, started weeping immediately. It was like a, a wave of tears overtook the audience. No, it's just, I, I like, no, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna respond to that. And the response that I will say is, um, I was on a flight today and I, I don't wanna get like down sad. But I was leaving Oakland, which earlier I joked and called Smokeland. And I was, I was flying into um, LA, also Smokeland. And, uh, and I looked at my phone and fucking Stan Lee died. Yeah. And, I, and I was just like, and I looked at the girl next to me and I said, God, America needs some good news. And she goes, I just got engaged. <laughs> so my response to that is, as bad as it seems, as bad as sometimes the world is like coming down on you, there is joy everywhere. There is always joy. And it's really, really important for all of us, no matter what we believe or our politics or where we're coming from, just to, just to make sure that we are acknowledging that joy. And um, I, I, 
one of the things I always try to remind myself is there's a, a Jewish uh, thought, which is the bitter with the sweet. And if you're not having both of those things in your life, you're not living a full life. So I'm really trying right now because there's a lot of bitter Pedro to enjoy the sweet. Let's enjoy the sweet. So right? much sweet, right? Salute to that. Right. Salute to that. So that being said, yeah, Stephanie, uh, what are we looking for? Little fire and cane. Um, I do need you guys to clear out a glass for me. So guys, one of the reasons we put this after the 21 gram preserva is this is a peated glymphitic. Now, um, we don't do peated very often. No, hardly and ever. And we have never done peated in the United States. Hold on. Yeah. I was, no, I was going to ask, when was the last time? So there, there is an expression of glymphitic that was released in the UK. And like, be kind to me on this because this was before my time. It was about five and a half years ago called Karen. And it was released only in the UK. So it was a pedoglymphitic. And you only could get it here if you like brought it in by yourself. Um, we've done peated expressions over many years because prior to the 60s, we did peat almost on the regular. But this is the first codified pedoglymphitic in the US, to my knowledge. Okay. That being said, everyone remember what I just said about the rum. Remember the light, delicate Caribbean rum. So. This is experimental series number four. It is a peated and rum cask finished glenfiddich. So go with me down this delightful is rabbit hole. Peat and rum? Peated and rum. So first and foremost, it's a no age statement. I can give you a rough guess of how old it is, but I'm not gonna do that. Uh, I might right now, I'll get in trouble. But the point being, we take 60% Unpetoglymphitic and 40% petoglymphitic, and we blend them together to create a mildly petoglymphitic. The peat that comes off the still is at 40 ppm for you nerds out there. Okay. Once we blend it, it goes down to 20 ppm. Okay. Now we go down to the Caribbean, to Martinique. That's not true. We go down too many islands in the Caribbean. But we also go down to South America. Is that what? That's, I don't know if that's the sound of South America, but we'll go, we'll go with it. And we source the same Caribbean rum that we do for um, our uh, Balvenie 14 and our Glymphitic 21, but we also source South American rum. And we blend these two rums together. The rum from the Caribbean, again, is light, floral, and delicate. The rum from South America is heavy, funky, earthy, and goaty. Now, my company doesn't like me to say goaty, but when I think goaty, I think pan, which makes me think sexy, right. so I go with it. Musky. Right. We'll say musky. 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 Now, Goats have a certain musk about Right. Them. So the reason is it's a, what's, what's the Say the that word? As a, from a point of not as if I'm a goat, right? As as like, we goats goat. smell like musk. Oh, right? come on, Pedro. You have a little pan energy. Well, I, 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 I actually borrowed this beard from a goat. Oh, yeah. cool. Okay. It's like, it's like a goatee. Oh, so, she's um, good. That was Bring terrible. it all back that was, around. That was really terrible. We are linguistically so the, acute. The reason that we did this is because we did try to just use the original rum. 
But unfortunately, by using pitic lymphitic, it just didn't hold up. All you got was like soap and phenolic and it wasn't good. But by bringing in this Godi Musky rum and blending it with the original rum, we were able to create a rum blend that held up against the phenolics, right? So we took this rum blend, we put it in ex-bourbon American casks, remember our ex-bourbon American casks, on age, right? We let it hang out in there for just under six months, we took it out, and then we took our blend of peated and unpeated glymphitic and put it in that cask. So what you get is this perfect balance of smoky and sweet. Now, the whole joke, the whole marketing concept is do you smell smoky or do you smell sweet? It sounds like a line of bullshit, but I will tell you. <laughs> After drinking this almost straight for 12 weeks during launch, it actually does change. If you eat food, it changes. If you drink it before or after drinking something else, it changes. There actually is an element to this whiskey that is malleable and kind of uh, Gemini-like. Well, that's us. Yeah. That's us humans. We, depending on what you ate over the course of the day, can, right. it can stick on your palate and have a really strong effect on the way that you perceive flavors. And, and for that matter, the, where you grew up and what you personally oh, are used to tasting, yeah. sometimes you kind of have blind spots in your ability to smell and taste. And that's perfectly natural because it's all based on your own memories. So if you grew up eating a lot of like sweet potatoes and blackberry pie, or if you grew up eating a lot of smoked fish and uh, you know miso soup, you have different ex definitions of flavor profiles. And that's part of the, the beauty of sharing this community forum is we get to learn about each other. I refer to that as from. like your smell bank. Yeah. Like, right? It's the bank by which you, you made deposits when you were young, and then you take the you take the deposits out, and you but think, Everyone's hmm. experience is different. So right. what are you experiencing? Stick yeah. your nose in that glass, breathe in gently through your mouth, Jerky. and share your experience. Jerky. 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 I like that. So, again. Smoked salmon. So All right. Whiskey now we're nerds talking. in the house. Remember, we had 40, blended 20. By the time we finish it, it goes down to 5 ppm. Very, it's a very small amount of peat. But for Glenfiddich, it's a very aggressive amount of peat mm -hmm. compared to what we usually do. So where are you getting the, the malted grain? From Port Ellen? Oh, no. All of our mountain grain, uh, malted grain comes from, oh my gosh, my brain's really, I just. It's, it's from, oh, no, from the blending like, house. No, 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 no. It's from um, crisps. Crisps? Yes. We get all, we get all, of, our, all of our malted barley either peated or unpeated from crisps malting. Oh wow! Yes. And where's that? I'm just really tired. It's no. uh, it's just outside of Bayside. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. What are you guys getting as you tap that over your tongue? Grilled plum. Grilled plum. What else? What else? Bacon wrapped dates. Honey smoked ham. Honey smoked ham. Locks. Someone else Locks. said smoked smoked salmon as well. Cinnamon. What else? Roast duck. Roast wow. duck. Blowing my, my God, I have to say for the win, though, bacon-wrapped dates. I, th Maria. I think I, I have not described that better. Thank you. That was really, really brilliant. So that being said. She works here. She's, <laughs> of course she does. <laughs> because you have some of the most talented staff in the world. So that being said, um, I'm going to give a quick toast. Please. And then, and then, Pedro, I'm going to open the room up to questions. And this could be a shit show, just FYI. So. Welcome to my life. <laughs> tonight is a very special night. And I'm going to give a shout out to a couple people. So first and foremost, 
I want to give a shout out to our veterans, okay? Yeah. It is Veterans, it's veterans Day. Day. Those who are currently serving, those who have served, and those who have given their life in service. You guys, I mean, I've never experienced something so hard in my life. I am humbled by their service. Secondly, I want to give a big shout out to those who have been affected by the fires. Not to be a downer, but my God, they are struggling. So if you can give service to those people, please do. Or let them sleep on your couch this week. Yeah, right? I typically say slanshava. Now, slanshava means to our health, and of course to our health. But in lieu of that tonight, let's say to their health and peace, right? And last but not least, to the incredible, funny, talented, silly, amazing staff at Seven Grand, right, who have made me feel welcome for four years. And I love them, and I'm so grateful to be here always. Thank you so much. Cheers. Yeah, we love having you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers to all of you, too. Cheers. Lahayam. Now, before I answer questions, and this is not math class. You don't have to have questions. You can just go drink. I wanted to answer one thing that came up tonight. Sir, you mentioned you didn't understand the phrase cut point, so I just want to touch on that really fast. Um, so... When in making distilled spirits, and I'm literally running a still, right? So the entire thought process behind making distilled spirits is that the boiling point of water is lower than the boiling point of alcohol. I mean, that's really what all Olympic spirits are based on. So when I'm making whiskey in particular, when I begin to fire the still and the heat is rising, the first thing that's going to happen is the most volatile and lightest compounds are going to come off whatever is inside the still. In the case of whiskey, these compounds are things like nail polish remover. I don't want this in my whiskey, okay? This is something that when people back in the day used to make moonshine, they didn't know they should throw this away. So the old joke, moonshine will make you go blind, that's because they included these volatile compounds in their final product. We don't want those. So we let them burn off and we collect them and we do not put them in the bottle, okay? The next thing that comes off that still is what we refer to as the hearts. The hearts are what we wanna keep. That's, the, that's like literally the whiskey. The last thing, as the water begins to boil and we begin to get detritus and stuff we don't necessarily want in our hearts, that's called the four shots are, uh, no, it's called the feints or the tails. tails. Thank you. Sorry, it's been a long day. So um, head cut, right. heart cut, tail cut. So the tails maintain flavors and compounds that they're not going to kill you, but they kind of taste like old dirty socks, right? So we don't want to bottle that. So what we do as the fire burns, we get rid of the four shots or the heads, we keep the middle part, the hearts, and we don't keep the tails or the feints. This hearts happens during a certain period of time of heating, right? So, God, how do I describe it? So, so, so the beer starts to boil at so 172. The, exactly. The alcohol will start to boil off at 212. So you have a window between 172 and 212. Thank you. In so order to uh, we can choose in the hearts to keep the lightest, most delicate hearts, the middle hearts, 
the lower middle hearts or the lower, lower, lower base hearts, right? And where we choose to keep that cut within the hearts affects a lot of things in our whiskey. It affects the flavor, the viscosity, the mouthfeel, um, the finish, all kinds of things about our whiskey. So in the case of Glenfiddich, we particularly choose to keep the hearts that happen just after the heads. So we're going for the lightest, most delicate hearts versus um, a brand like Ardbeg or Laphroaig or who has really heavy hearts? They want to um, they want to dabble with the faints. Some people love those bass units. Yeah. So so they'll they'll get toward the end of the hearts. That's kind of the DNA of their They're whiskey. They're cultivating they go for the, the low hearts because they want oily mouthfeel, heavy. They want a little bit of soggy. That's well, their even, thing. Even like just down right? the road from you guys yeah. over at Glen Farkless. That's it's right. a space side. Yeah. It's not smoky. It's not phenolic. But it's a but heavy, it's basier, oilier, it's definitely basier, basier yeah. than than what you guys are making. Does that make sense? Cool. Okay. I don't want anyone walking out of here and being like, I don't know what the fuck she was talking about. Um, <laughs> I so think with all this risky, they're going to be fine. <laughs> right. Either way. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember. Remember.